Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Ritter, the CEO of MBFS, a business lending QSO serving credit unions all over the country, and also uh, the host of Credit Union Conversations podcast. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe on your favorite audio network so you can listen to us while you're at the gym, while you're driving uh, in your car, while you're on vacation, or wherever you uh, just relax and listen to your favorite podcasts. And joining me today is somebody that I'm ashamed to say I haven't had on the podcast previously. And, 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 and really it's probably because I talk to him all the time. And he's actually a sister organization of MBFS as we're owned by many, many of the same credit unions. So uh, he is what he is uh, probably my uh, first cousin in the credit union industry, uh, more, more appropriately, the CUSO industry. Joining me today is John Giordano, the CEO of First Heritage Mortgage Services. Yeah, good morning, Mark. How are you? I am doing great. Um, you know, I screwed up my audio, and uh, so my sound is a little bit different than what people who listen to normally get. So they can uh, just bear with me today, and uh, we'll get through that uh, as I've been on the road traveling quite a bit. So sure. let's hop in and talk a little mortgage talk, John. Sounds good. Let's do it. So t- first, tell people uh, a little bit of, of your background and history and uh, uh, in, in the mortgage business and, and the rest of your world and what you're up to at First Heritage today. Uh, First Heritage uh, has been a mortgage CUSO for 27 years. Uh, we are licensed in 33 states doing business today, offering services to 116 different credit unions. We have a a different way of looking at things. We're uh, very much involved with the membership of credit unions, helping them to offer all kinds of comprehensive mortgage products across the board in a customized fashion, uh, which we have found very successful over the course of time. I myself have been here for over 20 years I've been in the mortgage business, Mark, for 40 years, believe it or not. have been uh, really happy to involve myself with many different uh, uh, companies over my career, uh, three or four. Uh, Some of those major uh, companies like National City Mortgage. And when I came here, I was uh, considered at the time very well uh, schooled in... uh, non-traditional origination, which is called NTO in the mortgage business. And uh, that has uh, a lot of innovative and non-traditional mortgage banking ideas built into it. Here at First Heritage, uh, with our owners, we have been able to become very successful over the course of years 
even today showing uh, successful profit uh, direction. So that's a good thing. Served on many advisory boards for Fannie Mae, uh, Radian, uh, Nakuso, MBA, CMGI. So those things were fun. Right now we're in an environment that's a little more difficult than I've seen in those 40 years. And we're having to work really hard right now, Mark. So you are undoubtedly what, what I would call a veteran mortgage banker. And you have been seeing the cycles, the boom times, the good times, the rough times, interest every interest rate cycle we have ever seen. Correct. I am traditionally in the have been in the commercial space. And one of the reasons I like that is because it tends to be flatter. Uh, it, it, we always, most loans are written on five-year periods. And there's always, you know, when time, when interest rates are up, business is up. And when interest rates are down, business is up. Uh, it, we tend to be a much steadier business. More static, the, yes. Your side tends to have a lot more swings what is your i'll say your lessons learned from over the years in all of the different scenarios good bad and ugly that you have been through where where i would think you don't overreact to the cycles as much as maybe some of your younger uh compatriots do what what's really those lessons learned over the year how to react to the boot to, to the different cycles? So I think that's such a very good question. And as noted, you live in a much more static world as far as environment is concerned. Uh, we have been very fortunate over the last, I guess it's almost 20 years now, to do a lot of refinance business where we saw whether it was uh, trauma from 9-11 or even uh, even after that, the bank debacle of 2008. We've seen some heavy duty times and people really look, at, uh, look to me sometimes uh, in speaking engagements and ask this question to say, so what do we do next type of thing? And right now, what we have learned is that, you know, the business, the environment of business in the mortgage banking uh, situation has never quite like it's been right now. That point being made is we've gone through refi recycles where interest rates were very, very low. The last one, the pandemic uh, years of uh, 2020, 2021 into 22, really showed very low interest rates, the lowest of, uh, of really all time. Um, and so we've been able to have steadiness, I would say, uh, three out of every five years because of this recycling of refinancing. What we have learned is that you cannot live on that alone, especially as credit unions. Credit unions are very good at refinancing, Mark. For no better thought, they stick a rate out there. Their members come to them. A lot of loyalty in the last 20 years with credit unions representing refinancing. And that's been a good business for credit unions during that time. 
what credit unions really aren't good at is relationship with the rest of the housing cycle, meaning realtors. Some credit unions do it better than others, but a lot of times uh, what we're doing is as credit unions, we're, we're not involving uh, ourselves in a in a detailed fashion uh, with building relationships with the uh, real estate and housing markets. We have to get better at that. I'll talk more about that in minutes. Yeah, and much like myself in the CUSO world, you know, we don't work for a credit union or deal with one credit union. We deal with dozens in your case, over a hundred. And, you know, some credit, we see the gamut from big credit unions to small credit unions. Uh, and, and we also see people who are wildly successful in the mortgage lending and others that struggle. Yes. What do you see on, on a macro level, the, those credit unions that are truly successful with the mortgage business year over year versus those ones that that struggle a little bit more than others so what you're really talking about here is that macroeconomic crystal ball and while we don't have a crystal ball mark and we can't uh we can't uh, snap our fingers or have a silver bullet for every credit union out there I think it's very, very important to understand that there are uh, certain things that credit unions do or the successful credit unions do that stand above. And we do have to realize here that a lot of what we have done in the blueprint I've put together here is really based off of that customization because we can't look at a, a multi-billion dollar credit union the same way we look at a 75 or 100 million dollar in asset credit union and have them be the same uh just their capacity their skill sets all of the things have to be identified and that's why kusos for some of these credit unions especially today are so important because they don't have those skill sets and i know i know in your commercial business that's the case also so what we provide is those other services to help them to support what they need to do. I think the relationship that we try to create is that of a true partnership where we're collaborating with that credit union. Those that can make a commitment to that collaboration seem to be much more successful in, in their mortgage banking or mortgage direction with their with benefiting their their membership i think this the ones that struggle are those ones and i can probably say this in general for cusos those that think that the cuso is going to do everything because we don't have a connection a direct connection with their membership we're going through that credit union uh to offer uh products through the credit union so that they can do a good business with their membership. You mentioned something that I, I, I want to follow up on. And, you know, in my world, on the commercial side, credit unions use their own money. And there's also SBA loans. I hate to say it's a pretty simple world, 
but it's a pretty relatively small world in terms of funding sources and loan types. In your world, you know, there's the, I'll call it traditional loans, the 30-year mortgage, but there's government loans, there's FHA loans, there's USDA loans, there's VA loans, and you could probably name many more than that. What are the loans that you find where a CUSO like yours can help the most in terms of different types of products? Are, is there, is, are there certain types of loans that are just a little more complex or convoluted that maybe if a credit union doesn't do them every day, they should strongly consider using a QSO? So uh, we have found a lot of success over the last three years in offering government product to a lot of credit unions, especially larger, even larger credit unions, Mark, that unfortunately have built an internal mortgage product and program and do it quite well. The problem is they cannot get approved for these government loans. With the situation that occurred during the pandemic and everyone refinancing at uh, 3% or lower, it's put a huge problem on the table for the mortgage banking and housing markets. We've kind of, for, for no better term here, we've kind of stalled the housing cycle. And if you look at this from a point of view of who's buying and selling houses right now, uh, we have a huge a housing recession that's going on since June of 2022. What happened is, you know, home prices started to increase in value at such a steep rate. We saw mortgage rates go up extremely high because the Fed was working on uh, inflation and trying to get that back down. And it, it seems like that's occurring because inflation slowed in October. And it looks like we're at a static point on that. And the biggest problem with housing cycle right now is the lack of inventory. And that's because people are in 3% rates and don't want to put their house on the market to sell because they don't want to go to a 7% or 7.5% interest rate on that new house. So we have an entire huge market of baby boomers who have kind of stalled the housing cycle, and that is stopping millennials and Gen Zs from moving into those houses or moving up into those houses. So we have an inventory problem. And the biggest thing that everybody is talking about today, Mark, is affordability. Okay. And because those housing prices have gone up, it's kind of put a damper on here because housing prices going up, interest rates go up, uh, hit at the vein of, of that new home buyer, which is affordability. We have lost in affordability year over year for a $2,500 payment per month, taxes and insurance included. We have lost uh, roughly about $60,000 in affordability to buy a home. Now, that's where those FHA, VA, and USDA loans come in. 
And that's why we've been successful with helping credit unions who can't do those, uh, do them for them. It hits right at the primary direction of where the GSEs are going right now. And they are all about, you know, assistance in any type of underserved community. In fact, special programs are being provided by Fannie and Freddie. And there's a big push for federal home loan bank right now. So if any credit unions out there are approved with federal home loan bank, I would love to have a conversation with you with some of the benefits they're providing right now, especially from a liquidity point of view. It seems like new homes, when I see a new home built, it is very much at the top of the market. It, and the starter home, new construction, or, or even condos or apartments uh, are, are at a virtual standstill, if not just they don't exist. What are your thoughts on supply side of new homes and affordable homes as far as what's really blocking people from from putting new homes on the market to, to help with supply? Is there any solution for that? Well, some of the solutions that are being, I guess, implemented or started to be implemented are government programs, again, to the underserved markets. What I really think, Mark, is this problem uh, started or this issue started years ago. We are 12 million new homes behind where we need to be. We're building roughly about a million homes a year, new homes a year. And most of those are being built in uh, sand state areas where there's 12 month cycle of, of development. Our problem really is going to be uh, how do you downsize in this world when you're at a 3% interest rate and when are you ever going to put that house on the market? What I see, and uh, similar to you, Mark, I'm in the Northeast region of the United States, and what I see is we're having some, I would call it avant-garde type of action items that are taking place. Some of our longtime malls that are huge albatrosses today are now creating real estate within some of the mall and then building building real estate around that. Some of those are executive style, three floor townhome properties. Some of them are condos. And uh, some of that is apartment housing. And we have another little dilemma to piggyback on top of some of this is that right now, uh, apartment housing and multi-unit housing is roughly about uh, 80% of the new build out there. The dilemma is that we're finding that millennials and Gen Zs, and even the lower tier of Gen Xers, are staying at home uh, with mom and dad a longer period of time. That basically to try to save money as a down payment, which is the biggest issue with new home buying today. The median price mark for a down payment 
for uh, a home buy in the United States is $60,000. And so if you remember the first house you ever bought, if that median price was $60,000, you may not have been able to buy that house. Yes. So again, that's rationale of why these government programs, which are open to a lot of assistance programs, but they're very little money down on a FHA, you're talking about three and a half percent on VA and on USDA, we're talking about a hundred percent lending. So that coupled with uh, quite a bit of different assistance programs in different areas is a great recipe for a new home buying. So I wanted to switch gears just a little bit more towards uh, what's going on today. And the last few years, uh, when when we had the rock bottom rates and people were doing three, three and a half percent mortgages, every credit union I know was flush with money, like nothing they have ever seen before. And they did not sell their, many of which did not sell their mortgages because they wanted the yield. Well, when the market turned, we now have a lot of underwater mortgages that can't be sold without taking a big loss. In today's world, you can tell me what your average mortgage goes out for today, but many credit unions are saying, I'll take this really high yield today. But credit unions across the board are starting to have liquidity problems. What are your thoughts on retaining mortgages, selling the mortgages, and liquidity solutions overall for credit unions in this crazy market that we're in? So there definitely is, uh, from a credit union posture, a liquidity concern. From a mortgage and real estate side, Mark, if we were doing a lot of production and if interest rates and affordability were to coordinate, you know, that wouldn't be the biggest problem because we can sell mortgages for our credit unions and make a pretty handsome profit for them on the flow, meaning they originate that they get it to us, we sell the mortgage for them to whoever has the best rate out there. But in most cases, Fannie, Freddie, and if it's an FHA loan to to some sort of investor somewhere. But the problem that happens is when affordability becomes this difficult, when production and volume goes down, that's what creates that vacuum when it comes to that. Now, we've been successful dealing with some credit unions in the past six months and uh, talking uh, talking through it on exactly you know how they want to do this, whether they can participate some loans out. If they are creating new loans at higher interest rates, then can we blend those? There are some other opportunities out there to you know move those loans that are creating a portfolio kind of void there because a lot of credit unions did a lot of loans for their members and refied them. And as you said, now they're kind of in that situation where they're stuck with these loans. 
We have found a couple of opportunities of how to collateralize those, how to participate those out. And that's one of our channels, Mark, that we have here at First Heritage. We try to provide attention to every nuance of what a credit union might need and support that by saying, how can you better your your bottom line with this? It is a difficult problem. It is a challenge for credit unions today. They are making money, but as soon as that auditor comes in, they're going to say, you know, mark to market, you're way under where you should be to hold this asset. And I, I know even from your side, from a commercial side, we talk about this all the time. So it's the plant. This is the time of the year. And when this show will drop, it's, it's really planning time. It's budget time. It's strategy time. Uh, you know, some people, it seems like it's always budget and strategy time. But when, when a credit union, one of your clients calls you or talks to you, you know, what, what do you see as the big picture next few years, what credit unions should be thinking about when it comes to the mortgage area? Stay the course, you know, look in some different markets, diversify, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on those opportunities over the next few years? So I'll take this and make it a little more short term because it's difficult right now and a lot of people can't handle the truth. But I think 2024, unless something goes askew as far as the plan for 2024, it looks like we're going to stay very close to that. I do see the possibility because of it, it, it is an election year, Mark that we could see something happen that may create a better economical or short-term economical view. A lot of the pundits, if anybody here follows, you know, Fannie Freddie economists, you know, they think that interest rates will go down. Just today, uh, the CPI came out and it looked as if it was neutral pretty much neutral. And so that tells us that immediately the bond, you know, fell almost 20 points. And so when you see something like that, you know how our communication level is no longer a macro, but a micro view. And communication is so rapid today that everybody knows as soon as something happens. What I see in the next couple of years, and of course, I'm not one of these economists, I am a student of, of mortgage banking, but I think we're going to go through 2024, it's going to look very similar, maybe a little bit of upbeat as of uh, doing uh, more production, especially on the credit union side. So one of the things I didn't mention is credit unions have a great advantage, Mark, in that they can create a portfolio product if they have some liquidity and they can, for no better term, do some production, some volume. We see the rest of the mortgage banking business kind of staying very stagnant right now. Inventory is one of those things that keeps coming up. We have enunciated with all our partners a brand new 
real estate connection program. And that is something that I think every credit union out there should be involved in. Uh, you have realtors in your field of membership, and yet they've never brought a loan to the credit union. They probably have strong loyalty and use your services. And I think they, with a little bit of help and a little bit of uh, conversation, could be an advocate for the credit union as far as mortgage banking and lending is concerned. I think 2025, we're going to see some movement. Of course, you may or may not have a new president which may make a difference or may not make a difference. So not beating around the bush here, but I do believe that this is going to be uh, a little bit of a adaptability. We need to know what the new norm looks like. Hopefully this gets better than where we are today. I know that uh, everything uh, that we've talked about today is always subject to change. Uh, especially because we have a global situation going on that is changing minute by minute. And that does impact, you know, what happens at home here in the U.S. All right, John. Well, let's wrap things up. You know, you, you have been a good credit to many people in the credit union industry. Uh, you've been a good friend to me over the years, and I always have appreciated that. But, you know, for those list people listening, if they want to talk a little bit more about First Heritage or the mortgage industry with you, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with First Heritage? I would say uh, anybody that wants to talk about anything at any time, they can connect with me. Uh, again, my name is John Giordano, G-I-O-R-D-A-N-O. And I don't know if you can contact me, but... Uh, it's my email address is jgiridano at first heritage spelled out f i r s t h e r i t a g e dot org and i would welcome any calls anybody that wants to chat about you know your business or someone else's business i look forward to it all right. Well, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation today. I picked up a new few new things and hopefully some other people did. So this is Mark Ritter, your host of Credit Union Conversations. Thank you for joining us today. This will drop in December. So I hope you have a great holiday season. And we look forward to talking to you throughout the end of 2023 and into 2024. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.